Well, if you have your Bibles with you this morning, and I hope you do, you can turn with me to John 3.16, a very well-known verse. John 3.16, 16 16 through 18. If you don't have your Bible, uh, then you can grab the Pew Bible there, and it's page 835 in the Pew Bible, 835 in the Pew Bible. And if you don't have a Bible, then you take that Pew Bible home with you, and that's our gift to you. We want you to have a copy of God's Word, so uh, please do that for us. What's this thing over here? Where's the man? Somebody left a present under the tree. Man, I didn't see that back there. Well, this is a the season for gifts, isn't it? I mean, that's that's what we really think about when we think about Christmas. We think about presents under the tree, and I just think about uh, you know think about past Christmases, past gifts that I've had. I've had some pretty memorable gifts through, through the ages. Uh, I can remember back as a kid, one of, my, one of my favorite gifts as a kid was a Superman big wheel. A Superman big wheel. I mean, it was a big wheel, but it, it was bonus because it was Superman. And, and Superman was my hero. I, I love Superman. I watched all the old Superman movies. Uh, and this, hot, this, uh, this big wheel actually came with some iron-on patches, and so my mom made me a cape and ironed on those patches, and so I got to ride down the gravel road at our house with that cape on and play like I was Superman. Uh, you know, so I love my Superman big wheel. As I grew up as a teenager, I, one of my greatest memories uh, or gifts, most memorable gifts, was when my granddaddy gave me his old guitar. Uh, he, he showed up Christmas morning and, and gave me that guitar. He knew I had an interest in playing guitar, and so he gave me his old guitar. And then uh, it's really memorable because then he passed away just a few months later. And so I still have that guitar. Uh, it, it's his guitar. He, he played it for years and years, so it was worn out when he gave it to me. So it doesn't carry the, the, most, the best tune of all, but uh, it, it's memorable because Granddaddy gave me that guitar. Uh, as I grew up a little older, after Marybeth and I got married, I can remember one of the most memorable, memorable gifts that she gave me, uh, outside of Gabby, right, uh, was in 1998, she saved up, because then we didn't have two dimes to rub together, but somewhere how or the other, she saved up, and uh, she sent me to go watch the 1998 Mr. Olympia competition out in Las Vegas, Nevada. And uh, that was 1998, was actually the first year that Bastrop's own Ronnie Coleman won his first of his record, world record setting, eight titles as Mr. Olympia. And so uh, just thinking about that now, boy, how does all that cross over? Because here, Ronnie Coleman, my first Mr. Olympia, he won it, and, and then to see that he was from Bastrop. And so that was just uh, kind of cool. But Anyway, so a memorable gift, man, I, I love that, I enjoyed that, going to see that competition. And then this past year, I, my mother-in-law gave us, myself, my father-in-law, brother-in-law, and nephew, she gave us that trip to Oklahoma, which y'all know, I, I just got back from that a, a week ago. And so, I mean, that was memorable, that's something that I'll, I'll, I'll hang on to and I'll remember for my, the rest of my life. But as memorable as all these gifts were, other than the guitar, they are just memories. 
They're just memories. And even the guitar, you know, one of these days, I'm going to pass that guitar on to, to Gabby or to one of her kids. And, and so that will be just a memory. And, and really, the guitar itself is, is not the main thing. The guitar is just the, it's the memory that it conjures up to me about my granddad and remembering him playing it. So it's the memory. These are all just memories. But that's the thing about worldly gifts, isn't it? Ultimately, they fade away. Ultimately, all that we have of worldly gifts are memories. The actual thing fades away. It rusts away. It just goes away. But the greatest gift of all is a gift that never fades. A gift that never fades. And the greatest gift of all times is, of course, God's gift to us and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The greatest gift of all is the gift that we celebrate this Christmas, the gift of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And that's what I want us to focus on this morning. The greatest gift of all is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And as we, we look at this this morning, and we, we're starting in John, but we're going to go other places as well. But uh, we're going to see three ways in which Jesus Christ has been given to us as a gift. And I hope today that if you've never received the gift of Jesus Christ, my, my first prayer is that you would receive Jesus today. You would receive this wonderful, great, eternal gift. And if you are here and you have received this gift, then I pray that you celebrate that gift today. So as we, we look at our text this morning, uh, if you found your place there in John chapter 3, 16, please stand with me as we, we read our text. We want to read that this morning. John 3, 16 through 18. Hear the word of the Lord. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. Amen. May the Lord add blessings to the reading of his holy, inspired, and inerrant word. And may he write its eternal truth on all our hearts. And you may be seated. Well, as we see here in John 3, 16 through 18, the first way in which Jesus Christ has been given as a gift uh, is through the Father. God the Father gave his Son as a gift. God the Father gave his Son as a gift. The, the Son is the gift, for God so loved the world. That is, the, God loved the world in this manner. Now, uh, if you've been here for our 1 Corinthians study, you know that we've, we've talked about this a little bit before. And we see here that God loved, that, wor that, love, that word for love there is the word agape. Uh, it is the divine kind of love. It, it's a kind of love that is active. It, it's not just a statement. It, it's an activity. 
God loved us in this way that he gave. And what he gave is who he gave. He gave his one and only son. God gave his son. God gave his son. And and so God sent his son into the world. He gave his son to us by sending him into the world but as the text goes on to say there god sent his son into the world not to condemn the world that's important that's very important for us to understand what is he talking about there god gave his son he sent him into the the world not to condemn the world but we need to understand that we deserve condemnation you see if we are we're talking about what we deserve we deserve condemnation why because we are sinners we have trespassed against a holy god we are rebels right god created all of the universe he created you he created me daily he gives us breath to breathe that's a gift from god right there your breath is a gift from god he he provides for us food on our table Man, you couldn't go to work and earn a living if God had not blessed you with the physical ability to get up and go to work and make a living. Whatever you have, as Scripture says, every good gift comes from the Lord. Everything that you have that is good, it comes from God. And yet, what do we do? How do we repay God for his graciousness of of creating us, of, of giving us life and being and and, and meeting our daily needs, well, we rebel against him. We commit high treason against the holy God. Instead of uh, obeying God's will, which is good and right, we kind of want to do our own thing. We want to do evil instead of good. We want to be selfish instead of serving God and worshiping God and honoring God and glorifying God with our lives. We want to glorify ourselves. We want to put God on the back burner. In fact, what we see uh, most people, how we see most people treating God, they treat God more like a, a genie in the bottle. Lord, give me, give me, give me. And if God doesn't give them something, then, oh, well, I'm done with God because he didn't give me what I wanted. God doesn't owe you anything. God created you. He, he gave you life and being. He provides for you out of his graciousness. And we repay him by rebelling against him. And because of our rebellion against a holy God, we deserve eternal condemnation. But the beauty of God's love is that he doesn't give us what we deserve. No, he's gracious. Instead of giving us what we deserve, God gives us a wonderful gift. He sends his son, Jesus Christ. And Christ came into the world not to condemn the world, but to save the world, to save us. And how did he come to save us? He came to save us by taking on our condemnation, by taking on the condemnation that we deserve. He he took what we deserve for our rebellion and our sin against a a holy God. He took that upon himself so that he might reward us with, give us the wonderful blessings that he deserves for his perfect obedience to the Father's will. 
2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says it like this, For our sake, God the Father made God the Son to be sin, though he knew no sin, so that in him, in the Son, we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus Christ came to this world. He was born as a little baby in humble estate, born in a manger, not born in a hospital, not born in a nice, warm, cozy house. He was born in a, a, a stall, an animal stall, with animals all around, manure all around, and that's where our Lord was born. He came in humble estate, and he walked a humble life in obedience to the Father's will and complete obedience to the Father's will. And though he deserved all the richness of God's love and blessings upon his life, he went to Calvary's cross and he received your condemnation and my condemnation in our place. God gave the gift of his son, so that we might be saved in Christ. And notice the condition for this gift. Notice the condition for this gift. It's not, not go get your life together. It's not do enough good things to, to kind of knock out the bad things that you do. What does it say here? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son, for God, excuse me, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the, in the only Son of God. The condition here is simply that, to believe in Jesus. Trust that he died in your place. Trust that he gave his life for you. Believe, and you will be saved. So, God the Father gave his Son God's gift to you, dear friend, is salvation in his son, Jesus Christ. God the Father gave his son to die for you so, uh, so that he could save you from your sins. Now we can imagine, right? We can imagine sending our own sons and daughters off to war to a place where they might give their life for a grateful nation. But I want you to think about this. God sent his son to an ungrateful people. Ungrateful people. He sent his son while we were yet sinners to die for us. Romans 5, 8, God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, while we were still uh, ungrateful sinners, rebels against his glorious will, God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for us. How amazing is God's love for us? How amazing is God's gift in his son, Jesus Christ? 
Well, I'm grateful for the love of God that sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die for me. Are you grateful for Christ today? Are you grateful for God's gift to you? Now, at this point, there are those who try to condemn God the Father for uh, divine child abuse. They say that if, if God really sent his son, if God the Father sent his son into the world to, to really die for other people, then God is, is nothing but an, a, a divine abusive father. And, and there might be a case for that if Jesus was an unwilling participant. But he wasn't. He wasn't. And, and that brings us to the second way in which Jesus has been given to us as a gift. God the Son gave his life as a gift. God the Father gave the Son, and then the Son came, and the Son gave his life as a gift for us. Mark chapter 10, verse 45 says, For, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. You see, Jesus willingly came and Jesus willingly gave his life for you. So it happened in eternity past before God ever created a single thing. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit came together and they entered into a covenant of redemption together. They knew they would create us and they knew that mankind would sin against their holiness against their rightful rule and reign over them. And yet, knowing that we would sin, God determined to create us anyway. And he made a plan to redeem us. And I can imagine God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit sitting there. Now, they were all spirits, so they weren't really sitting, but, but we kind of imagine that with our own imagination. They're sitting there, they're talking about this, and, and God the Father says, I, I, I need someone to, to go and save them. They're going to sin. They're going to rebel against us, and, and we've got to save them. Who will go for me? And Jesus, the Son of God, stands up and says, I will go for you. Here I am, send me. And Jesus willingly came. God, the Father didn't force him to come. He didn't say, go down there and do this. God, the Son said, I willingly, I will willingly humble myself. And I'll go down there. And I'll do what they can never do. I'll live for them, and I will die for them. God the Son willingly gave his life for you, dear friend. And he gave his life for your ransom. That's what Mark says there. The Son of Man came not to serve, but to, uh, not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for Many. What does that word ransom mean? The ransom means to, to pay the price of release. To pay the price of release. So when we think about slavery, of course in our American mind we go back to American slavery and which is a, a, a very crude type of slavery, but that was the, the type of slavery that, that Jesus 
had in mind when he was talking in Mark, when he says to give his life as a ransom, this, this is a kind of a, a slavery type of a term that he's using there. And in the first century Roman Empire, uh, a man could actually sell himself into slavery. It wasn't a forced kind of slavery like we are familiar with in American slavery back pre-Civil War, but it was a more, most of the time, it was more a willingness. You, you willingly sold yourself into slavery. So you can imagine a person who's come along hard times and, and he can't make it, he can't feed his family, he can't do anything and so he sells himself into slavery. He has a neighbor who's doing well. He says, you know what? You're doing well. I'm not doing so well. Why don't you let me come work for you? I'm going to sell myself into slavery. And so uh, the, the person would, would pay a price. All right, I'll give you this much. And then you come work for me. You be my slave. And so it was really helping the person out, getting him out of his predicament, and then he became a slave of, of that person. And typically the way it works, especially in, the, in Israel, or it was supposed to work, this is the way God laid it out, that it, it, after you worked so many years for that person, then the year of Jubilee came along and you were released from your slavery. That didn't always work out that way, but that was how it was supposed to work. But ultimately, you, you, had, you sold yourself into slavery, and so now you owe your master a sum of money, right? Because he's helped you out. He's paid off your debt. He's cleared your debt. And so now you're in slavery to this master. Well, how do you get out of slavery to this new master of yours? Well, some of your kinfolk would have to come redeem you. A kinsman redeemer would have to come and redeem you. And how did they redeem you? By paying the ransom, by paying the price of release to get you out of, of slavery so that you could be free to do your own thing again. And that's what Jesus is talking about there when he says the Son of Man came to give his life as a ransom for many. We are sold into slavery to sin, and we willingly sell ourselves into slavery to sin. We love sin. We love to be mastered by sin. And Jesus came, and he redeems us by paying the price, the, the ransom price for us to purchase us out of sin, out of slavery to, to the 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 consequences of sin, the, the slavery of sin to bring us into a new life with God. Jesus gave his life as a ransom to buy you out of slavery from sin, to give you freedom in him. Christ gave his life for you, dear friend. He gave his life to pay the ransom price for you. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 17 through 19 says, And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed uh, from 
the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. Jesus Christ, without sin, shed his blood for you. He shed his blood for you to pay the price of your release from slavery to sin. God the Son willingly gave his life as a ransom for your sin. It is a gift to you. It is a gift to you. So God the Father gave the Son, and then God the Son gave his life for you. Third, the third person of the Trinity gets involved here. God the Holy Spirit gives new life as a gift. God the Holy Spirit gives new life as a gift. Romans 8, chapter 11, if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead, that is God the Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead, dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. If the Holy Spirit dwells in you, the Holy Spirit gives you new life in Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6 says, For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. The Spirit gives life. The Spirit gives life now. He gives new life now. When you come to faith in Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God moves in. He moves into your life. He indwells you. He sets up residency right there in your heart. And as he begins to, to indwell you, he begins to change you. He begins to change you, to, to remake you in the image of Jesus Christ. For you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. Behold, the old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Old life of sin begins to die away. And the Holy Spirit begins to bring new life in you where you, you're no longer enjoy sin. Sin becomes a burden to you. It becomes hard to deal with. You don't like that old way of life. Oh, we slip back into it here and there, sure. Because we still have these old sinful bodies of flesh. But it's no longer a joy to us. We, we feel guilty over it. We, we, we want to, to live for Christ. And that's the Holy Spirit working us, working in us, making a new creation in Christ. The, the Holy Spirit comes in and he begins to work out a new life in us here and now. But that's not it, right? He applies Christ's salvation to our life here and now, but, but that's not the, even the end of the story. Because not only does the Holy Spirit apply Christ's salvation to our life here and now, giving us a new life in Christ here and now. He also gives us assurance of eternal life in Christ Jesus. He gives us assurance of eternal life in Christ Jesus. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 through 14 says, In Christ you also, when you heard the word of truth, 
the gospel of your salvation and believed in him were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Now, yesterday, Marybeth and I, uh, we celebrated 30 years uh, together as a couple. 30 years ago, on December 19, 1990, I asked Marybeth to go out with me on our very first date, and she said yes. And so we went to, to see the lights in Star City, the, the Christmas lights in Star City. No longer there. They're not there anymore, but uh, that, that was our first date, to go see Christmas lights. And we've been together ever since. Now, that was our first date. About two years later, on December 24th, 1992, that's right, Christmas Eve, 1992, I asked Mary Beth to marry me. And when I asked her to marry me, I gave her a gift. What do you all reckon that gift was? That's right, a ring, an engagement ring. That engagement ring was a gift that, that, that sealed the deal, if you will, right? It sealed the promise. It was a seal of the promise I was making to her that I would come back and I would marry her and make her my wife bring her into my house, take care of her, do all the things that a husband's supposed to do, right? It was a seal. And then, a year and a little more later, uh, we got married, and, and I came and I fulfilled that promise. Well, you know, the Holy Spirit is kind of like that engagement ring. The Holy Spirit is like that engagement ring. It's the seal of Jesus' promise to us. The church is the bride of Christ. And we're waiting for the wedding feast to take place. We're waiting for Jesus to come back to take us up into His glorious kingdom. But the Holy Spirit is like that engagement ring. He indwells us. He begins to change us, to, to give us that assurance that we are saved, that we are in Christ and that he will one day complete the promise that he has made to us. He will come back to get us. And he'll take his bride into his eternal kingdom. Oh, the Holy Spirit gives us the gift of that seal, that promise, that assurance of eternal life in Christ's kingdom. Oh, have you received that gift today? The Holy Spirit, he gives us new life. He applies the salvation of Jesus Christ in our life and he seals that promise, giving us that assurance of a future salvation, eternal salvation in Jesus. The triune God gives the greatest gift of all, salvation in Jesus Christ. Each person of the Trinity does his own little particular part in this grand gift of Jesus Christ. Now, what must you do? That's the question today. What must you do to, to take the benefits, to receive the benefits, to gain the benefits of the greatest gift of all? What are you to do to receive the greatest gift? Well, let me see. How about Miss Addie? Miss Addie, could you come up here? Here. Here, like over here. I'll grab this microphone here. 
Come on up here, girl. How are you this morning? Good. Good. You ready for Christmas? Yes, sir. You are? What, what you hoping to get for Christmas? A real four-wheeler. A real four-wheeler. Woo! That'd be awesome. That, that's what you, the order you put in with Santa, huh? <laughs> yes, sir. Well, great. Well, I hope, I hope you get a four-wheeler. Well, do you, you would, would you like to start Christmas a little bit early this morning? Yes, sir. <laughs> well, how about I just give you this gift? Would you like that gift? Yes, sir. All right. Well, it's yours. Can you, you want to open it? You can go ahead and open it right now. Are you sure? Well, they want to know what you're getting. <laughs> Here, let me help you out. Let me take this bow off because it's, uh, I tied it good. There we go. Tear into it. What you got there? A unicorn. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I think it does some things here. So, mm -hmm. oh yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> How you like that? I love it. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, Merry Christmas. Thank you for helping me out this morning. <laughs> Love it, love it, love it. Now you notice there, Miss Addie came up and, and I had a gift for her. And what did she have to do to get the benefits of that gift? Receive it. Just receive it. Nothing else. She doesn't have to be a good little girl. She doesn't have to do all these other things. It was a free gift. There to be taken if only she received it. And that's the way it is with the gift of Jesus Christ. God gave his son. And so whoever believes in Jesus, that is, whoever receives Jesus, just accept the gift. You don't have to get your life together. Your life can be an absolute, positively wreck of a life. You, you could have uh, so much in your life and you might look at it and you say, how could God love me? He loved you while you were a wreck. And he sent his son while you were a wreck to die for you. The gift is there. All you need to do is receive the gift and God will save you. Will you receive that today? Will you receive it? Now, if you have received that, then you have reason for celebration. And so here in a little while, when we do the hallelujah course, I want you to be singing because you've got reason to sing hallelujah for the salvation that we have in Jesus. But if you've never received Jesus, then today can be the day of salvation. God is standing here. He's holding out the gift. Here's Jesus. Here's my son. Your salvation in him, will you receive it? Oh, Heavenly Father, 
Lord, we thank you for your wonderful, glorious gift in Jesus Christ. Lord, as we, we celebrate Christmas, as we, we, uh, as we give gifts this Christmas, Lord, my prayer is that as Christians, as we're giving these, these gifts, Lord, even in that action, we'll remember all of those worldly gifts will fade away, but your gift never fail, fades away. It never fails. Your gift is eternal because your son is eternal. So, Lord, we praise you and thank you for Jesus. And Lord, I, my prayer today, Lord, certainly there are those here, there are those who are, are watching online, Lord, who have never trusted Jesus, who have never received the gift of salvation in Christ. Lord, open their hearts. Let them see Jesus today. Help them to receive your gift in him. This I pray in Christ's name. Amen.